Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, we're catching up with Cub member Michaela Scheckenbach, the founder and CEO of Bandit Design Group. Bandit Design Group is a bunch of bandits. They're design experts and creative experts who specialize in brands that do things different. Michaela is a young entrepreneur who started her business at the age of 24. Now at the age of 29, she has an agency and a strong team that represent and create brands from around the world. We had a fantastic conversation discussing starting a business when you're really young and the pros and cons towards doing that how to create a flexible company environment and culture for your team uh, and everything to do with building a brand strategy from your vision all the way through to your competitive analysis. Michaela is a very special human being that I was lucky to meet today for the first time. We had a brilliant conversation. Enjoy the show. Where did you come up with the name Bandit Design? I, I love it. I'm just curious. Everybody asks me this one. It it literally took me about a year to come up with the name because being in branding, do you know how hard it is to like name your own company? Yeah. So yeah, I had a, I had a list of names for about a year, and I was like, nah, nah, nothing's right. And yeah, this one just came to me literally in the middle of the night. I had to wake up and write it down on my phone, um, and Bandit. It was about doing something different in the industry, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more. Um, And, yeah, I think when I started my business I felt a little bit like rebellious and going out on the limb, doing something that felt like I shouldn't be doing it. (laughs) Been told Bandit's like a – bandit's like a – you're a bandit, like a – is that what it's like? You know, like a – I don't know what it actually means, but like it's from like a movie. Yeah, it's like a criminal. Yeah, like a criminal. Yeah. Which kind of suits because like obviously I was uh, know a bit about your story and your company through your prep sheets, but you did want to do something. You you built your company because what you were looking for wasn't out there. So you've been a bit bit of a bandit. Yeah. And I felt like there was no place for me in the industry at the time. So I was like, righto, well, I'm going to create my own space. Okay. Well, why don't you tell us a bit about? So, it's a branding agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, what type? Do you, do you specialize in certain um, things, or? Yeah. So, Bandit is a creative studio, and we specialize in branding. So, brand strategy, brand naming, brand experience, and brand identity are like our four core brand services. Um, we work with all different types of businesses across different industries. It's not about the industry. Or primarily we work on lifestyle brands, but not just lifestyle brands. It's about companies who want to do something a bit different in their industry. They want to look different. They want to be perceived differently. So that's what we're really passionate about. I like that. And that suits the whole bandit lifestyle. So exactly. not only are we a bunch of bandits, but we want to work with a bunch of bandits too. A hundred percent. That's cool. Yeah. And so basically I could come to you and be like, hey, um, for example, uh, I don't know, yeah. Probably do know, but we've we've built we're building this uh, kind of like digital cub. Um, uh, we need someone to do or to me and Laura did the branding the best we could ourselves. We're trying <laughs> to pretend to be broke, so we're trying to bootstrap it. Um, Amazing. And um, but we need someone to help us formalize that 
the brand and give us a bit more oomph to a bit, bit more stuff. Yep. So we could come to you and be like, hey, this is what we're doing. We are bandits too. We're, we're changing the game for this, we're, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, can you help us? What are the elements of the brand? Like there's obviously the logo and what else is there? Yeah, so I think the first thing to understand is that a brand isn't just the logo and the colours and the way you look. A brand, that's why the strategy piece is so important to us because it's actually about um, thinking about how you want to be perceived in the market. So a brand is what people think of you in the public space and how they feel about you. Branding is anything we do to try and shape that perception. So the name we give it, the logo we give it, the colour palette we use, the way things look online, um, offline, the way that people talk to you on the phone, right? All of these things are branding. So, yeah, when people come to us, we always start with that strategy piece. How do you want to be perceived in the market? What does that look like? What's your vision for the company? What are your values? What is your brand personality? All of these things. And then from there, we can build an identity that really aligns with that and allows you to go and achieve those things. And it, it can definitely change over time too, can it? Because Absolutely, it should. It should evolve with time. Yeah, And I agree. as the company grows and evolves it itself, yeah, the brand, the brand identity should change. Absolutely. Yeah, we, like we, I could tell you, Laura could probably tell you, Cubs, um, like we, when, when Cub first started, it, the brand we had a completely different brand. I mean, in terms of. Um, um, colors, the clubhouse looks, the, the, I was a young male and so I made something that I thought I would like. And so it, it looks yeah. like it was for young men. Yeah. Um, it wasn't actually the case because most of our founding members were, were, were women, but, but the brand was, people thought of it as like, oh, that's where young men join that are from the Eastern suburbs because it's in Potts Point, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then it evolved out of that and it became, uh, it matured, I guess, and it became the premium networking. Like it was like, okay, that's that that's the uh, the next level up of meeting business owners and things. And then it evolved again to, I guess, the most recent stage, which is uh, being the new generation leadership community standing in opposition to the old stuffy men's only clubs of the past. And, you know, it, it, we represent the modern face and diverse face of Australian business. And so like there's literally been three different kind of evolutions yeah. to, to cut. So that's normal. We're, we're not weird. No, it's good. A rebrand should take place when you're either wanting to reposition yourself in the market, attract a new audience, or your offering is changing. So you need to realign your identity with where you're going. So it's absolutely normal and a good thing to do that at those, yeah, stages in time. Okay. And, and so you've got um, – uh, a team of six, is that correct? Yeah. And and you guys are just brain experts. You sit in the lab, and you brain and you just kind of have you've been together for a while. You've you've um, you know I, I assume doing branding is is for, it's very artistic. So it's like a band being together. You know, your drummer and the the guitarist. They, everyone's kind of in sync. Do you guys is do you have that sync with the team or? Yeah, absolutely. Our team is super close. So we're six females. Um, we work in our studio in Redfern and we do, we do remote working and we've got working from home and all of that, but being in the studio together is where the real magic happens, I think. And yeah, it's like a band or I like to think of it like we're like a professional sports team <laughs> We're we're a group of elite brand designers. 
Yeah, I love yeah. that. It is like sports. Yeah. You need to put together a team. The strikers need to be amazing at striking. The defenders need to be great. Like everyone has their their role, their position. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's all it is. And and what made you? Where are you from? Are you from Sydney? I'm from Canberra originally. I moved okay. to Sydney five years ago, which is when I started the business. Okay. And what made you move? Just Canberra's well, boring. <laughs> Might not be. I don't know. I've never been there. Canberra's <laughs> definitely a little bit boring. <laughs> no, my partner was actually moving for his. He owns a business as well, and he was moving up here because I had a bunch of work here. And that was kind of the final straw for me to pack up, leave my job and come up here and do it full time. Okay. And and what um, – I forgot what I was going to ask you. Um, oh, and, and, and did you always want to be in business or I guess what's your – did you come from a family of business did, or what's your background? Yeah, I always wanted to start a business. I think from a pretty young age it was always – something that I knew I wanted to do. I was always asking my parents like why they didn't start a business. Like I thought my mum cooked the best food in the world and I was like, well, why don't we open a restaurant? (laughs) Why don't we sell it? (laughs) Why are we selling it? Literally, yeah, stuff like that. So no, I don't come from a family of business but it was always something that I was really keen to do and passionate about. Um, It felt like a really natural progression for me too and when I finished uni, I knew that I wanted to start my own business but I kind of felt like it wasn't necessarily the right time I wanted to go out and get experience in the industry first before jumping into that so the jobs that I took um, over that five years after uni before I started my business were purposefully the types of jobs I knew that I needed to do to be able to move into business and do it the way that I wanted to do it yeah that's really interesting mm. a lot of people say to me or like a lot, when people talk to me they feel like that they need to be a business owner it's just because of the business I'm in. But a lot of people will say to me, like, they justify the reason they're getting a job. Like, oh, no, I'm just getting this job because, it, you know, it's the next step to this. But, and that's – but the reality is that that's a good thing. You know, if your goal is to be a business owner, um, why not work – I mean, I would argue that you need to work in different businesses before being a business owner and particularly have in different roles or in different experiences or even in different style company. You know, if I wanted to start a, I guess, a a building company or renovations company, maybe I'd want to work at a T1 builder to see how the, you know, the white collar T1 companies work. And then I want to also get a job uh, for a small builder and then a T2 builder and just to, to learn all the pros and cons of each of them to, to take and you know, you, yeah, it's I think logical. <laughs> yeah. It, it makes sense to do. Yeah. Um, I didn't take that. jobs in that's a good studios thing. or agencies though. I was always an in-house designer, which is funny because yeah, I started a studio and I've never worked in one. So I don't actually know how they work. I only know how they work because of the way that I do it. Yes. But that's interesting because it suits the bandit. Yes. It's like, well, I'm not, uh, I'm not learning what these fucking people do, I'm doing my own. But also you obviously knew that you wanted that sense of freedom and that you wanted to be the boss of the branding or of that element of wherever you were. So, you know, that was probably your uh, uh, boss ladyness coming out in a sense like, you know. I, I, yeah, the freedom was a huge part of it. I, I felt like I didn't have that freedom. Obviously you don't when you work in another company, even doesn't matter how flexible they are and – you know, how good the benefits are. You don't get the freedom that you get when, you, when you've got your own business and that's what I really craved. Yeah, well, it's a funny one, that one. A lot of people say that and I definitely agree with it. But 
in actual fact, I would argue that as a business owner, yes, there's no one telling you what to do in the sense, but I don't think you're more free. I yeah, actually think you're I more disagree. you're more caged. Even you're more in a sense caged than than working for somewhere because when you're a business owner, you've got all the problems to worry about. When you're working somewhere, you've only got some of the problems to worry about. Totally. But you get to call all the shots. Yeah, but they're your problems. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're my yeah. problems because I want them to be my problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I choose to be more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're a bunch of sickos, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And so what made you start your business? What were the main reasons? Like um, what made you jump from having, okay, uh, being in-house to, no, nah, no, nah, I've got to do my own thing? I knew I wanted to start the studio. I I was working in-house, which means you work on the same brand all day, every day, boring as fuck, right? Hey, come on, boy, <laughs> hey, don't, don't diss Laura. She said, yeah, Sorry, but you work, Laura. You work on Cub Laura. It's the greatest brand in Australia. You're good, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted that variety. So I freelanced on the side of my full-time jobs for three years before going into Bandit as well. So I wanted that variety. I wanted to work on cool brands. I wanted to work on brands that you know, I wanted to see in the market and I wanted to be a part of that. So that was part of it. Um, the other part was there was nothing in the market at the time that I felt like I was a good fit for. All of the agencies, very much boys clubs, toxic culture mm. at the time from what I knew of the agencies in Canberra. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's definitely justified. Like ad, you know, like it's it, the, the typical ad, ad agencies, there was like your Mad Men style. Like, yeah. Work yeah. till all, all hours of the night, mm. drugs, all yeah. of it. Drunk. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should have been in advertising. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. Doesn't sound that I'm bad joking, now, doesn't it? <laughs> I better, I better <laughs> definitely joking. Um, but, but uh, yeah, so you, 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 was it that you didn't find somewhere that you felt, I guess, was designed for you or embodied your... Yeah, exactly. And I'll admit, I didn't apply to all of these places and try to get a job. I didn't try very hard. I just, from from the outside, I knew that I didn't even really want to work there. Like I had a great job. It was cushy. They were amazing. I got to, I had freedom within my jobs on their own. So yeah, I was kind of like, well, that doesn't really work for me. So I'm just going to stick at this and then I'll just do my own thing down the track. And did you just uh, jump head first or dive head first or, or did you... Uh, start the business while having a job or how did you transition? Yeah, so I had I had freelance. The work. reason I'm asking these things is because there's probably a lot of listeners, probably tons of listeners that uh, either think about the doing the same thing or in the process of doing the same thing. So it's always cool to hear how someone went from working somewhere to um, yeah. to being you now. I didn't take the massive leap like some people do. I It was like very planned out and – Strategic. Strategic, yeah. So I had build, I had been building up a client base for over three years. So I had, you know, a huge client base by that time. I worked really hard. I worked in the mornings before my job, on my lunch break at my job, taking conference calls in, in my car on my laptop. <laughs> and then I'd be working after after work as well. So it sounds boring. <laughs> work, work, work. Oh, I'm so free. I still had I'm so fun. Free. <laughs> Um, so much freedom. Yeah. So I, I built that up. So I felt good about that. And then I I dropped down to part-time gradually and then I just, yeah, went off. And so you got you kind of got the business stable enough to say, okay, I can I know earn that, my living from Yeah, from it was viable now. to do it. Yeah. 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 See, that's it's just really it's just really clever, mm. if anything. 
And um, and I also want to make uh, highlight saying you're really quite young. You're 29, yes. Yeah. So like we're talking about you doing this five years ago. You're you're only 20. <laughs> I hope I got that right. You're only 24 when you were doing this. That's yeah, exceptionally okay. young. That's a young businesswoman. I was very young. Yeah. yeah. And can, <laughs> do you ever look back and like, God, I started too young, or do you look back and be like, No, I did that at the right time. I think I definitely did it at the right time. Mm-hmm. Looking back, I think like Jesus. <laughs> Mm. why but no I'm glad that I did it at that time and I'm glad that I did it when I was like so you know I didn't know what I was getting myself into yeah there's the naivety that's the benefit of being young I I've I've been guilty of saying that I would have like looking back I maybe would have started cub when I was a bit older Mm. maybe like 25 at least how come well cub seven now and really the first two years I wasn't um, – oh, I wasn't – I don't know what I was. I was ambitious and confident but I wasn't ready in terms of committing full to a company. I was committed to – I loved business owners. I, I was – I loved the idea of being a business owner and I loved business owners and I still obviously still do. But I just felt like I wasn't ready. And men mature later than women. So <laughs> you, you were 24 was probably like me now, you know. So um, I don't know. I, but then again, on the flip side to that, if I hadn't started at 23, um, maybe Cub wouldn't. Maybe I wouldn't have learned those lessons fast enough and then I wouldn't be who I am now and able to do what I do now with Cub. So it's a catch-22. Yeah. I, I really don't know. But, but The process, I think, like that's what makes the company what it is now, right? If you started three years later, you could potentially be three years behind of what yeah. you are now. In lessons. Yes. Which are the most important thing. Yeah. And those those mistakes that we make and the lessons that we learn, especially the big ones, are the most important ones. So yeah. I think it's better to do them young and And they give you confidence. That's the other thing. Yeah. You start young, you end up having the chip on your shoulder where it's like you can say, for example, I started my business at twenty four. You know, and you know, yeah, I have screwed up a lot in the last five years, but I've also done a lot right in the last five years and my screw-ups have given me confidence because now I know not to make them again, you know, not to make those mistakes again. Yeah, 100%. and And so yeah, maybe, maybe I should have started at 13. And then I would have been <laughs> a genius by now. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, but it, it is a funny topic, like starting a business at a young age because the other thing is if you wait, so let's say I wait, I waited until 30, or maybe a bit older than me. I was going to say wait until you're married. It's a lot harder to start a business when you're married because yeah. all of a sudden you're like, okay, well, I have to provide for my family. We're going to build a, or we're going to build a family together and, you know, we might have kids and then how's that going to impact one of our jobs and how, you know, then I've got to pay for this kid. You, yeah, there's so many more roadblocks, yeah, I think. Excuses. Yeah. But real excuses, but real excuses. excuses. Yeah. yeah. No, 100%. At 24, like I didn't have – I didn't have anything stopping me. Like, and what, what, what gave you the confidence to do it? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> Some people it's I was just, just like, yeah, that's something I can do. Why not? Like why can't I do it? Yeah, but see, Lots it was the confidence, but you yeah. had confidence. Yeah. I think that's the key. I always say it's the, the starting the business is the most important part. Mm. It's the part that no one does. It's the part that a lot of people don't get past they're like they've, they've always got the idea, they want to do it, they know it's a good idea, yeah. they've got the resources but they just don't have the little fire to make them 
step over that line. No, one hundred percent. And 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 you said you mentioned you've got all uh, female team. Yeah, it's very diverse. <laughs> Super diverse. <laughs> no, but I'm just, I'm definitely, I mean, put it this way, if I could have an all-female team, I definitely would, like I told you before <laughs> this podcast. And they're far superior <laughs> in all aspects. But but how does that work for you? Is that something you want to maintain? Is that um, uh, something that has just happened naturally because people see it, people seem to click? or or and, and do you think that you need to look at being more diverse or you think you don't? Yeah. No, it's a really good question. It's a tricky question. It is a tricky question. And look, we don't have a policy that makes us all female or anything like that. It's just been a natural progression and growth of the team in terms of finding the right fit. And they've all been females. We're very close knit. Everybody gets along like a bloody house on fire. And our clients seem to be attracted to us because of that reason as well. So we attract a lot of female business owners um, and, you know, we don't just work with females either. We work with a lot of men too, but a lot of the time the female in the business is the one reaching out to us. So, yeah. Nice. yeah. It's it's just, it's such an interesting, like I know, like I know a lot of the members of CUP, like a lot of the business women will have a predominantly female team. Mm, I read that you guys have a four-day work week. We do have a four-day work week. So we we work Tuesday to Friday. What, what happened on Monday? No, we just that off. <laughs> but why Monday, not Friday, out of curiosity? Yeah, so I, I thought about this a lot actually, like which day would it be? Would it be Monday? Would it be Wednesday? Would it be Friday? For some reason Tuesday and Thursday didn't even get a look in. Yeah. But Well, they're the most productive days, Tuesday yeah. and Thursday. I went with Monday because most of our clients, like it's a bit of a quieter day from us in terms of communication with clients. So you know, Monday's the day our clients are coming in after the weekend, they're having their own internal meetings, catching up, and then we're not really hearing from them until the end of the day or Tuesday anyway. So, um, yeah, Monday just seemed like the logical choice. To, yeah, that's an interesting – Yeah. It's an interesting choice because, like, most people, if they did a four-day week, they'd lose – they dropped – Friday. Friday. I also – I didn't want to lose, like, the fun vibe of Friday. See, like that's drinks cool and coming together and doing cool stuff, going out – for dinner, whatever, like, yeah, I didn't want to lose that. So I was like, it can't be Friday. Yeah, but see, that's also really interesting because you prioritised team bonding mm. over perhaps work time. Yeah. Because obviously Monday is going to be a bigger work day. Yeah. You get in early, it's the start of the week, yeah, you get onto it. And Friday notoriously, like at Cub, we basically work half Fridays, no, like oh, Laura made a funny face. But <laughs> but I feel like I, I feel like we kind of do. Um, but – um, my point is Friday is probably or is definitely for pretty much every company the most unproductive day. Yeah, I would agree. But you chose to keep Friday because it's unproductive so your team could bond. Yeah. We are super productive on Friday still because we have that Monday That's true. off, but we still prioritise the team. Enjoying themselves. And, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think it's really important. And because we get along so well, we don't want to lose that time together. You know, we want to be able to connect and have a good time. So losing that I think would actually be of a detriment to the team. Oh, 100%. I, I think the team bonding and having fun together is probably the most important thing mm. a team can do. Like yeah. imagine if it, that's the that's the problem I have with work from home. No one knows each other. No one likes each other. No one cares about each other because no one knows what's going on in each other's lives. 
if I get offered a better job with a higher pay, well, I'm obviously going to move because I don't give a fuck about anyone where I, where, I, where I am now either. Yeah. I have no relationship with them. I'll just leave. I'll go to another job. They pay me more. Mad. I have no – you know, it, it lacks – Connection. The, yeah. And, and I'm in the business of connection. I literally sell connection. That's what we provide to people. Human. We provide relationship. We're a relationship-building platform. Yeah. For me to be pro-isolating people would be – I may as well shut my business because – I've never thought about it like this, but this is really making a lot of sense as I'm saying it, you know. But 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 um, but see, even with you, you're saying, which is what I love, uh, not that what I think is is right in any sense, but what I love about what you're saying is no well, flexibility is is essential for our team because some of our team have kids, some of our team have things. We want to make sure everyone's able to live the life that they to live their life, live a good life, um, but. We are prioritizing actually coming together and enjoying time together and spending time together and bonding. Yeah. You know, and that's the key, I, I feel anyway. It is the key. And we do have um, a couple of staff members who are remote. So one's in Canberra, one's down in Jervis Bay, actually. So. Sorry, ladies, I know you can listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we, because it's been like that from the very beginning. So my first hire was the Canberra higher and is that why you were still there no it was after I'd moved to Sydney actually we had a lot of work in Canberra so it made sense to have someone on the ground there um but yeah so having people work remotely it's really important to keep that connection so all day every day pretty much we're chatting on slack so we use slack for like all of our day-to-day communication and that's a really important channel for us and then yeah we have team meetings on zoom whatever um, but then we also really make sure to make time for those girls to come up and enjoy time in the studio and do fun things as a team. Yeah, I think that's essential. We even fly our whole Melbourne team to Sydney. Yeah, amazing. Like for the quarterly meet or quarterly events that we have. Yeah. Um, but see, that's also interesting. You've got some people remote, some people not. Mm. The benefit of being having remote people is that you've got a presence in another. Like for example, you could bring someone in in Queensland that, yeah. or in Brisbane. And you'd have a presence in Brisbane, someone to go. Because when you're doing business with a company, it's always much nicer to go speak to the person. They're from your city. They understand your city. You know what I mean? Yeah, if I was in sometimes. Brisbane, if I was from Brisbane and I wanted to, that's true. But if I was from Brisbane and I wanted to do, uh, like use a branding agency and there was someone in Brisbane that I could sit down and speak with, like, you know, you have it's that human connection. Yeah, yeah, you just got that connection. Yeah, it's funny though because I don't think everyone views it like that because we've got a lot of international clients who obviously we've not seen face-to-face ever. Like we've we've jumped on video calls but they've chosen to work with a Sydney agency um, and not somebody in their own. Sydney. And why do you think they choose to do that? Well, I think that's come down to the style of work and the vibe that they have with us is what. But how would they know you? So like for example… If I'm in Thai, where's one of your clients? Like LA, for example. So I'm in LA. How would they find you guys and why would they choose you guys over a brand in or over a company in LA? I'm not asking about you guys specifically. I'm trying to get in the mind of the client in LA. I think they're looking for a specific type of company to work with and look and feel that they know can be produced through that company. And they're finding us on Instagram so it's really visual yeah. And then, yeah, they're 100%. just taking the chance. And really, 
you can completely speak to someone in person through Zoom and like the yeah. world's open. It's not like it's not like you have no idea who the person is. You can no. see them on LinkedIn, see who they're connected with. You see them all the time on Zoom and FaceTime. So Yeah, which is what we do. Yeah. yeah. So really I'm pretty wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> You're not so, wrong. <laughs> no, 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 never wrong. But this, the, the, cool, the amazing thing about business is that no one's right is that there's so many – there's so many ways to be successful and there's so many like philosophies and, and theories and, and, and things people are pro and like I can't tell you how many members are pro uh, work from home mm. and how many members are pro transparency in business, business and how many members are pro all the flexibility and all, all these things and how opposite I am to so many of those things. Yeah, there's no one um, answer. It no, depends on not. the type of company that you're wanting to yeah. have and build. Exactly. The leader is – in essence, and the leader in the type of company, uh, but the leader is, is, is in essence building a culture that that suits them, and therefore will attract people that suit that culture, um, and, and that work. And I, I think also where the world might fall into some traps, and I'd love to get your opinion on it, is that sometimes they they blanket all of business. It's like no, all business should should have this. Mm. Whereas maybe that's not the situation. Maybe it's that, no, 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 we want the businesses that want that can do that. And the people who want that will go to those businesses. And the businesses who work better like this can do that. And the people who thrive in that environment. And that way it's actually more diverse in terms of options that people have in business. There's more diversity in the styles of the business and the yeah, culture. Yeah, I like that. Thing. Wouldn't it be boring if we were all the same, the same, doing the exact same thing? Where would the difference be? You know, I don't like, yeah, I don't like a blanket rule for business whatsoever. I think I it really comes down to the personal, yeah, the personal view. To, to the people within that business. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, of course, the, the leader. And speaking about making things different, why don't we um, go through a bit of your area of expertise in branding and how to stand out and that type of thing? Yeah, sure. What are some tips maybe you have on people? Or how do you? Why don't you walk us through how you guys actually go about building a brand? Um, and and maybe so that that way someone like well the listeners could kind of be like okay let's have a think about my brand let's get the pen and pad out and and see how we should assess this thing. Yeah, for sure. Everything we do starts with strategy brand strategy because like we were just saying every single brand is different you know you and I could have the exact same business from the outside but what makes it different is our vision for the company the values we hold the type of personality we want to give off the experience we want customers to have so there's so many different little moving parts that actually set you apart as a business and would help a customer decide who they want to work with so it really starts with the brand strategy. So what we do when we start a brand project, doesn't matter if it's just naming, experience, identity, whatever it is, we start with the strategy and that's a session that we go through where we talk about the vision, mission, values, brand personality, tone of voice. We dive really deep into the target audience. Um, we do position and competitors and a whole bunch of stuff. And what we're trying to do there is lay down some really solid foundations to then be able to build an identity from that's going to really align with where you're wanting to take your business, who you're wanting to attract and how you're wanting to be perceived in the market. Okay. And so the strategy is what encompasses all those things from, from vision to 
basically competition uh, from vision to competition. Yeah, you can't start without that, in my opinion. No, no, I agree. Yeah, and and and, and um, <laughs> I love how we've established that there's no right answer. So now, from now on, me and you're gonna have to be like, in my opinion, <laughs> world's a funny place. Um, and 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 vision, mission, values. These are the things that kind of everybody plays with. Um, it's kind of where most people will start in terms of, okay, what are my vision? What's my mission? What my, me and yeah. Laura have this conversation all the time. Yeah. And it's actually harder than it sounds to It is hard. To create, yeah. Yeah, people really struggle with it. Um, like but it I think if you break it down, it's it's a lot easier to think about. It doesn't have to be big and lofty. It yeah. can be really simple. People sometimes overthink them. Like overthink how would you them. encourage someone to think about your company vision? Yeah, so your vision is like – the big goal, if you could have your company achieve anything, what would you have it achieve? Or if you were, you know, 10 years down the track, what would success look like to you? You know, it could be world changing or it could just be something really simple. Yeah. Yeah, it literally, I'm going to try and compare these, like try to do it for cup, but it could be uh, like the the simple thing could be like we have clubhouses in every major city in Australia. That would be your mission. So okay. you've got your vision, which is like the big vision, which yep. for you it's connecting business owners yep. or building well, relationships. Uniting Australia's entrepreneurs and business owners. There you go. Perfect. So then your mission is how are we going to achieve that big vision? So your mission is what's happening every day, day to day in the business to achieve that. Okay. And that's the clubhouses. It that's could be your, the technology. Yeah, your platforms. And so you lay that stuff out in your mission. Yeah. You're like in order to achieve that vision, these, these are, the, are the types of things we should be yeah. doing every day. Someone should be able to step into your business and know what they should be striving for every day based on the mission. And you could even have like little sub-mini missions like uh, our mission, this, our next mission. For example, if you were to ask Cub, what is, what's your current mission or current, what are the current missions? We'd have three current, you know, we're updating our operations, we're getting the Tech, the dig, the technology stuff going and Brisbane. Well, that would be so your in, goals for the next however long, right? Okay, so maybe our brand strategy must be. Oh, <laughs> it's fucked. <laughs> okay, we're gonna have to sit with you for a real session after this. <laughs> clearly, but okay. So your your visions. What does success look like in ten years? Your mission is what do we need to do to achieve that, that? vision? Your um, values, I, I guess it, we don't need to talk about that because most people can figure out their own values. Yeah. Um, personality. So your personality is like I like to think of a brand as a human being, right? And one of the exercises we do is like if your brand was a person, what would they be like? What would their personality be like? Are they serious? Are they funny? Are they happy? Are they, you know, flirty? Whatever it is, give your brand a personality because that's going to come through everything you do, whether it's your verbal communication, the way you look, the type of imagery you use, everything has to have this certain personality about it. So so you can actually tie it to You can build the personality, the character of your brand, assuming it's a person, like yeah. draw the person. And, and What type of car would they drive? Where would they shop? What type of clothes would they wear? Yeah. All of these things really like add layers on and build this, yeah, yeah human you, and you're also you're almost identifying your target market as well, or an example of them, because it's like okay, well if they're driving this car, they probably have this job. Yeah. And if they have that job, they probably train at that gym. And if they have, if they go to that gym, they probably live in this area. 
Yeah. They live in this area, you know. <laughs> yeah, you just can keep yeah. going and going. <laughs> yeah, and that's how you, and it, it helps your brand then speak directly to your target market. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tone of voice. Is tone of voice. Yeah, so tone of voice is thinking about how that personality comes through the tone. So tone is thinking about, yeah, the verbal and written tone but also the tone of the overall identity, so the tone that comes through in the imagery and the overall application of the brand. What happens in situations when, and, and I, I'm sure there's there a lot of companies that, that could probably relate to this, but like, our, I mean, you know, you are a member, you know our membership base, it's so diverse. Mm. Like we have a, a young business women like yourself and all the way through to your more typical heads of financial institutions, you know, like, and everyone in between. And so how would we build a personality that resembles everybody or our community because the community is very diverse if it really can't because the community is so diverse? You'd have to start looking at beliefs or yes. personality traits. Well, in terms of CUB, we would, yeah, start with the personality. What type of personality do we want CUB to give off? It doesn't need to align with one singular target audience because it is so broad but at the same time it's not broad because you're still attracting humans yeah. with these core desires and needs right it doesn't matter what industry they're in they're looking for something else so <laughs> it's about building it out around that and I would also argue that no matter who you speak to at cub uh, whether they be young old man woman whatever else um they actually have a similar character hmm. you know they might be some might be introverts, some might be extrovert and all that type of stuff. But they do have – there is that that business owner in them. There is that entrepreneur in them. And they do have the, there's yeah, some there's fundamental shared beliefs that yeah. they – yeah, common traits that they uh, have, character yeah. traits. Absolutely. Um, and that, well, I guess that's a good answer though because it, it's not about the demographic of the person. It's about who they are. Yeah. And what are their shared beliefs? The psychographics, yeah. Very interesting stuff, isn't it? It's yeah, it's fascinating. And it would be a fun job, I'd imagine, because you're – Super fun. Yeah, because you, you're sitting there and you're thinking about other – you're doing what we're doing now before all these different really creative companies. Yeah. And how do you view yourself as um, – sorry, actually, I did want to just stay on this. And then position and competition. Mm. So – because I think this would be quite valuable. So you will go w – w walk me through your process in determining competition and what your position in, is it is. Yes. So we start, the client lets us know who they think their biggest competitors are and where they want to position themselves in the market, whether it's at the top, premium option, somewhere middle tier, or they want to be the really low, bottom of the market, highly accessible, whatever it is. So yeah, we're looking at that. And then competitors, to be honest, we don't spend a lot of time on competitors just because I think it just blocks creativity massively. Like if, we're, if we've done all of that work in the beginning and we've built out something that is really unique and aligned to what that company wants to achieve and where they want to go, it doesn't really matter what what's happening in the market unless it's highly saturated. But usually the type of clients we're working with, we're doing something completely different in the industry or they've got a really strong um, unique selling point, something like that. But, yeah, basically what we would do is go over and look at all of the competitors' platforms and just note down strengths and weaknesses and kind of, yeah, like little openings that we can carve out our own space. Yeah, what segment of the market is potentially 
not satisfied by mm. by what's existing out there. And I actually completely agree with you in terms of ignoring the competition in a sense because that, that is definitely something we do mm. uh, and I know a lot of people do. And sometimes when you focus too much on the competition, you end up being like them. You know that 100%. they say like whatever you focus on you'll – like when you're driving, if you focus on a tree, like you hit the tree. <laughs> You know, like I don't know what that it manifests. Say, yeah, well, I don't know what yeah. that's saying. But like, whatever you focus on is like somehow you wherever your energy hearing. flows, your energy goes. Yeah. So yeah, something like that. So uh, I really think that there's a major benefit in p- p- paving your own way mm. and and looking at things with a blank slate rather than oh, this is how it should be done. You can look at it as this is how I'm going to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as business owners, that's where we should be coming from. If this is so aligned with me and what I want to be doing and I think this is a great offering for people out there and there's been signs that I know it is, then, yeah, forget about the competition. Go and do what you want to do. You're super passionate about it. People are going to be attracted to that anyway. Exactly. And it, it, I just think you're going to end up with a more creative Brand position that that happened for it's Cal. going to be more authentic as well because yeah. it is true and a bigger point of difference yeah and a and a and a stronger position in the market and you could have a way different sales system and team structure than your competition which gives you a competitive advantage in terms of growth or you you know when, when you ignore what is done and you focus on on just achieving your goal I, I it might take longer. But I think the long-term, so long as you keep improving, I think the long-term result is going to be something better Mm, and and stronger. And you mentioned your partner has a business. Mm. What is being in a relationship with two – so how is it being in a relationship with two people that run businesses? Because obviously businesses are, um, like we said, they're hard work. How do you guys find that? Yeah, it's actually been amazing and I think that's probably why we work so well. We've been together for 11 years. So when we were, you know, we first started dating, neither of us had businesses. We were both in jobs that we didn't particularly love and want to be in. So, yeah, we both kind of egged each other on to start our own businesses and then we've really supported each other and, you know, been able to provide guidance and advice and we are super different in terms of the way we run companies like almost complete opposites right (laughs) so it's really interesting to hear somebody else's perspective and yeah it helps and it's good to be able to maybe try it and implement it and if it doesn't work then that's fine or you know like just tone it down a little bit in my case. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think that's really like that's what we're saying. There's people run businesses in different ways. Yeah. And having a partner who's got their own way of doing it and, and having, I guess, that person to relate to. Mm. Like you can get home, you can actually relate to what each other are going through. Yeah. That's one of the hard that, that's one of the major reasons people join Cup is to meet more people that they're in the same position as that, you know, they might not relate to their family or their friends and they're looking for that third com- they they're, they're looking for their business community. Yeah. And absolutely. that's why they join. Whereas it, you have an element of that uh, within your partner as well, which I think is so amazing. That I, I could imagine that being a huge, um, a, a huge asset to 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 your confidence and to the relatability of each other. And yeah. you know, one person feels bad, the other one can g him up a bit. Don't worry, I did that last way. You know, that happened to me too. Yeah, to it's just not good it. when we both come home after. <laughs> <laughs> when you're both depressed. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it has. At least you got someone really to be good. depressed with, though. You know? Yeah, exactly, and they get it right. Yeah. But yeah, it. 
definitely helps with like the the hard times for sure. Like, mm. you know, when you're going through the ups and downs of business, like having someone coming home to someone who gets it and understands and, you know, doesn't get mad at you for the late nights and the working on the weekends and all of that stuff mm. that happens when you start a business. Um, yeah. So it's actually worked really well. Yeah, it's incredible. And and um, it also, to your point, uh, and uh, to the freedom point, uh, I know what's going on about how how owning a business you you lose you lose your freedom, but you you get you gain freedom that it's yours, it's your choice. But then you lose it because you've got more responsibility. But the reality is, as the business grows, develops, and matures, you gain it back and back and back, and you get to the point where where you do have a lot of freedom. And I mean, if you're going to uh, do life with someone, um. You, you, I mean, you want to make a lot of cash and you want a lot of freedom at the same time so that you can live a great life and you want to contribute to the world and, and give back to the world in a big way, which is what business does, basically in service of others. Yeah, um, I think that's a really important element. Yeah. No one ever says well. that. Like being in business, I'm basically just serving people. You know, that's, that's what yeah. I do for a living. I, I, I Yeah, well, others. that's I what I love that the most others. about it, to be honest, is just helping people. Um, we do need to wrap up. It, I wanted to talk to you about your greatest lesson in business, which your mentor, her name was Prue, was it? Yeah, Prue Chapman. Prue Chapman. Can you explain that to me? Because I wasn't sure if I agreed with it or not. <laughs> I think it was selfish is sustainable, right? What does that mean? So the way she explained it to us is in business, right? Well, for people like me, I went into business over-delivering, undercharging. Absolutely. Did for years. And years. Doesn't work. And we still probably do, to be honest, because I think the value that we deliver <laughs> is amazing. Um, but that doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve me because we're overworked and underpaid. It doesn't serve the client because they're not getting the best result that they could from an overworked agency, right? So making that decision, which might sound selfish to either turn away the work or um, Charge increase more. your rates. Yeah, that's actually a better that's a better situation for everybody involved. So what's right for me and the company is actually better for everybody around me. Actually, oh, I do agree with that. Then whatever's best for the company, I agree with whatever's best for the company mm. because whatever the company is the goal. It's what you do. The company is the security of the team. It, it's everything. And so whatever's best for the company is typically best for the client, unless you're – as long as you're acting within an ethical yeah, boundary. Yeah, of course. Yeah, then you get the scumbags. Everyone's going to be like, oh, no, whatever's best for the company. What about the yeah. investment bankers who rip everyone off? That's not who we're talking about. And I don't I don't like the word selfish. Like, and I don't mean it in a – you know, you just make go around context. making selfish decisions all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care about anybody else. That's absolutely not the mm-hmm. truth. But – You're talking about self-respect. Yeah. And self-value. I think so. Yeah, I think it is. is and more? making business sustainable because, like you were just saying, the success rates of business aren't amazing. So you have to make it sustainable. Otherwise, you won't last. Yeah. And and you need to have enough confidence in what you do to charge it. Because also the reality is if you charge, um, if you charge $5 for, for something and you tell the person, I'm going to do your brand for 5 bucks. Um, that person is expecting you to do their brand for five bucks. If you then charge another client for the exact same thing, ten bucks, that person is then expecting you to to do the same to, to build them a brand. But the f- 
person that's paying $5 is expecting the same as the person that's paying $10. Mm. So even if you pay more attention to the person paying $10, then the person paying $5 is going to get upset. Oh, you know, you're not, you know, you're not spending enough time. Here. This person's paying twice as much, you know, and, and by nature, you're going to do that. You're a human. You're going to go where the, where the food is. Uh, you know, you, you're going to look after yourself as well. It, and that's right. This person's paying me the right amount. But then you end up with, even though you gave someone a discount, you end up with an unhappy client because you yourself and the team are knowing, okay, this person's more important. They're paying more. We've got to focus on them, make sure they come back again, blah, blah, blah. But the person paying less gets disappointed because they're like, oh, you know, even though they paid half. They, they still, yeah, they still don't understand why they didn't yeah, get the so same it's a lose-lose was my point. Like yes, you can't absolutely. even win. Like you, you, you're better off someone just paying you the rate and giving everyone the equal rate, equal, equal, the equal service. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's it's it's. My dad said to me once, uh, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something like, "If they don't pay, they don't value it. Mm. If you give someone something for free, it means nothing. Even if it's worth a thousand dollars, means nothing to them. They didn't pay for it. There's no yeah. value. They don't they don't value it like someone who actually who even they paid ten dollars. You know, it, it, it's kind of relevant because it's kind of like well, no, if I you agree. pay if you pay the right amount you value it yeah it's even you know when you get something for free it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't have to be a service if you get someone who gives you a jumper for free I'm not going to respect it like I would the jumper that I paid $200 for right exactly I paid $200 for that so I'm going to treat it really well whereas I got that for free so it doesn't really matter yeah and if someone paid $10 for that jumper and you know it was a bit dirty. Maybe the tag got left on it, and they oh, take it back. Hey, this 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 jumper's man. You paid ten dollars for it. It's worth two hundred dollars. Wash it yourself and be happy. You know, like, <laughs> even when they get the discount, then they're still unhappy. You know, like anyway, I don't I, I don't know if I verbalized that that whole scene well enough, but but I agree with what you're saying. It's about having self respect and self value. Yes, you know? because when you believe someone's paying you your value then you're going to give them your 100% despite you might think you will the other way. But when you really are feeling valued appropriately, I feel like that that person is going to, is going to put more effort. Absolutely. It's a win-win. Um, well, let's wrap it up there. Did you enjoy the conversation? Yeah, I did. Awesome. And what's your website? I've got it here, Bandit, so we can BanditDesignGroup.com.au. <laughs> I, I love the name and I just think – Amazing. We'll, we'll talk about we'll do, we'll do, me, you, and Laura can catch up about the the digital thing for Cub because we need someone to for, yeah, firm cool. up the brand. We can even maybe talk a bit about Cub's brand because I, I think our personality is a bit still still a bit confused, still a bit <laughs> yeah, Ashton I'd love Kutcher. To. Uh, yeah, you, you'd be the ideal person to help us because you're you're part of it. But um, uh, to our listeners, uh, if you want to find out more about Michaela, get in contact. Uh, greatest lessons, book recommendations, all sorts of things. You can go to cub.club forward slash podcast and you'll find it all there. If you want to catch up with Cub on social, it's at Club United Business on Instagram. It's equally as awesome. Michaela, thank you so much for today. It was, well, thank you for being part of Cub and uh, thank you for being very wonderful and authentic today I, I actually took a lot from you with i don't know if you noticed but but i have learned a lot from you and I'm, I'm sure the listeners were very inspired by you as well i'm glad thanks for having me daniel hope you enjoyed the show